0: long ago about a couple of weeks ago really i i was meditating and and my guides came to me and they very strongly said you're not using us enough you're not using us enough you don't you 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 aren't saying what you want you aren't requesting what you want we are your team and we are here to 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 do whatever it, it, it is that either you desire or that you think is best or whatever. And all you have to do is ask. Right. And it's and it's we so often forget that. I certainly did. And ever since they told me that, I've been asking for all kinds of stuff and I'm seeing my world change around me and this is just a couple of weeks ago. Wow. So, don't forget <laughs> to talk to them and to ask them for things because you are a creator and they are acting as your creators as to, to help you create.
1: They're orchestrating. You got to accentuate the positive. Oh, I feel good. A little bit of goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life.
0: Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else?
1: You feel like that's what you want. To do. Hello, welcome to another show. Accentuating the positive with Karen Swain. So wonderful to be with you again. Well, another amazing, incredible human being to introduce you to today. His name is Zane Daniel. Welcome to the show, Zane.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Found Zane on the uh, I'm gonna get this wrong. The, you know, the talk you did at the expo. Um,
0: right. The, the Awake and Empowered Expo.
1: Thank you. The Awake and yeah. Empowered Expo. It's early in the morning. Forgive me. And <laughs> saw you do a talk, you know, for them. I love what they're doing over there in the States and the conferences and everything. And um, Ethan always finds amazing people. And <laughs> I usually, usually chat to most of them that I find on there because I just think, wow, is amazing. But let me let me read your bio because you've got a fascinating story. So Zane Daniel was a producer in the console video game industry for over 21 years, with 32 games to his credit. Once a spiritual skeptic, to today Zane works as an interdi- with interdimensional beings as an energy healer, using intention sound harmonics to release the soul's essence. Having incarnated amongst the Hathors. Arcturians and Andromative Collective, Zane uses a combination of techniques perfected during these lifetimes to awaken beings to their higher souls' aspects through the chakra centers and meridians. By using these tools, he is able to remove physical, emotional, and spiritual blocks that prevent an individual from living their fullest potential. He also is the writer producer of an ongoing comic book series called. Righteous. I think that you're kind of a bit famous for that, aren't you, Zane? (laughs) The Righteous comic, which is about a mass spiritual awakening, which we'll talk about. Throughout his life, Zane has helped many individuals realise their potential through counselling, support and a positive mental attitude. He uses his experiences to assist others to integrate into the human collective so that it can transcend to the fifth dimension. Welcome to the fifth dimension. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I was, I was jamming with you. That's good.
1: (laughs) Just felt like singing today. Uh, uh, He just sent me a little excerpt from um, the the comic book series and I read it this morning. It was about being, do you want to talk a little bit about the comic book? Where will we start? Sorry. I'm all over the shop. So many
0: things. Yeah. So many things to talk about where it doesn't matter to me, wherever you want to start. (laughs)
1: but the little excerpt we'll get into it was talking about being childish and i'm like that's totally me and yeah. um and how we look for the master through our adultness you know thinking that we can't be childish and we can't find the master through the childish attributes that we have through being silly and jumping in puddles and not paying attention and you know wandering off like with our imagination as children do but that's actually where the master lives right it's not in being serious and adult and you know the master lives in that place of wonder
0: right yeah the way that i often describe the child and the master is that we have both uh, mm-hmm. available to us and you know the child is the one that is excited about the 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 rain and they're excited about touching the fuzzy thing and and being <laughs> in nature and being you know and and playing and singing and and laughing and enjoying whereas the master is this kind of calm presence that, that knows the answers to every question that we all have access to. But what we actually do is we spend all of our time in a third version of ourselves, which we often call the adult. So in, the, in our adult version of ourselves, we're, we're following the rules of this three-dimensional world. We're, 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 we're being responsible and we don't have enough, we don't have time for the child and, and the adult thinks that it's the master when in actuality it's nowhere close because it's so limited by this three dimensional world. So what's beautiful about that, that kind of triumvirate is that the master has patience for both. And, and, and the more that we can spend time in either the master or the child, the more we live in the moment and the more that we experience a a, a great life.
1: Ah, beautifully said. Yeah. I think the child is the doorway into the master rather than the, child being the it's that it's the attributes of the child like living in the moment being carefree that's the doorway to the master you know it's funny when my daughter was little um you know when we we're about five we we're arguing about who was the parent and I said to her you know you were the parent you might have been the parent one time but I'm the parent this time right and guess, you know having sort of connected to a past life where she was the mother and like this life I'm the mother but she kept telling me she watched The Matrix, right? And they were giving the the red, the blue, the blue, the red pill. And she took the pill that didn't wake her up. She's going, I can't remember which pill that was. Do you remember?
0: I don't take, remember, but yes, I know which
1: one. Blue pill. Take it. The- anyway, she's going, take it. And I looked at her, and I got this really strong message that she wanted to be the child. Like she didn't want to wake up right. to her being a spiritual being, having a human experience. She wanted to experience the child. And she kept telling me remember, mom, I'm just a child. Remember, mom, I'm just a child. And I kept thinking, okay, okay. And at some stage in our lives, we decide that we're not a child anymore, that we're an adult. Like, when is that? Somebody might be 30, somebody might be 40, 50, someone might be 12 and decide they need to be an adult. But there is a decision we make when we decide, okay, I'm an adult now, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Yeah, many
0: cases. Well, and it's interesting. I think that uh, we're all three all the time or, or at different times. Right. So do we spend most of our time in the adult version? I think a lot of people do. But there are many people that I know that spend most of their time in the child. And, right. and they can be very annoying to to the adult versions of ourselves. We, we can be, if we're in adult mode, um, we can be going, oh my gosh, would you just stop for a minute and let's figure out what we're doing? Um, and And that impatience that judgment uh, from the adult is, it is always on when you're, an adult, when you're the adult. Mm. And that's why it's so important to either be the master or the child because the master enjoys the child and looks back at, at, and, and says, wow, look at how much they're enjoying this moment. Look at them really living in the moment. You know, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I could definitely spend more time doing.
1: Yeah. All right, well, let's get into your story because your story is quite amazing. So you grew up in a family of scientists and your father worked as a chemist and worked. he worked on the H-bomb. Do you want to tell us? My
0: grandfather, yes. Oh, your my grandfather.
1: grandfather, I'm going to say. You don't look old enough. Right, so yeah. <laughs> tell us about your childhood.
0: Okay, well, so I had uh, engineers on both sides of the family. My father was one and my uncle. My grandfather, like I said, was the chemist and... And he did work on triggers for the H bomb. He was in World War Two. Oh. And so, yeah, yeah. So he had to put on the, the, I don't know, the hazmat suit or whatever they used at that time. And he had to go on an elevator underneath the earth and, and he couldn't tell his wife, he couldn't tell anybody what he was actually working on. So, you know, it was, it was kind of a, it, it was something that was, he kept a secret for most of his adult life. I mean, he, he had, quit that job and had moved on to something else. And still nobody knew what he had done during that period of time. So he was sworn to some secrecy until he was finally allowed to talk about it. Wow. So, so, you know, that, that upbringing with that scientific background was, was fairly critical to the way that I viewed the world. I, I definitely did not believe that there were any spiritual inclinations that, Mm -hmm. that the religions of the world were, um, it was kind of surprising to me that so many people believed in them. Uh, and so we didn't we didn't even discuss them. Um, it was just not even on the topic ever. So, so you know, when you hear about it, it was always this head scratching kind of like, why does the rest of the world believe this? like this this doesn't make any sense at all. you know, these fairy tales and so forth. So so it was very easy for me to just follow this scientific path. and with the scientific path also came, the capitalist path. And so when you, when you believe in, in science as your religion, then the only thing you can do is succeed in the world as you see it or as science sees it. And when that's going on, the only way you can do that is by making lots of money. So, so money became a focus. Despite all of that, I still followed my passions even as a child because of course, I love video games. And then I ended up going into the video game industry because I followed that passion. And, and I often love to quote Bashar, uh, which is follow your highest excitement with no expectation for the results to find out what your true path in life is. So that's, so I did that even though I didn't realize, you know, that, that was the way to do it. Um, But you know, that is, that is pretty much the story of, of how I went from being a child till I was about 40 years old before I started to have my first awakening.
1: Yeah. You know, that dovetails with what we were saying. It's fire, follow your highest excitement. So many people have, you know, played with music or played with video games or watched too many movies. A friend of mine, her son, would just, <clears throat> he was just watched movies all the time. Watch, watch. And it's just seemingly he'd just sit on the couch all day, every day and watch movies, kind of did some menial job and just and she was like oh all he does is but then he went into the industry and he started working in the movie industry as some sort of technician so he'd watched like a zillion movies but he had honed his skill by you know watching them and yeah so it seems childish you know I'm playing video games and then people become these videos they create their own video games and of course you with your comic too that's right like i got to say I was never into comics. My brothers were, but as a dyslexic okay. child, I wasn't reading comics.
0: <laughs> I see. Right, right. But I
1: get that people love their comics. You know, I watch that television show that's really interesting. What's that one that they're the nerds and they're all reading their comics? That, uh,
0: oh. You know, I don't have television anymore, so I, I don't know. I don't pay attention to that nearly yeah. as much.
1: I think it's yeah. just finished its series it ran for about 15 years I think can't remember but anyway people will know what I'm talking about sure. uh yeah they're all reading their comics um so right okay so and then what happened so you went and made lots of money and um
0: yeah I mean I I made enough money to be very satisfied and very comfortable um and and what was starting to happen is that I was working on video games I actually worked on uh, Mortal Kombat 10 and nice. and that, that video game was kind of shocking in its shock value. That was the only way that they could continue to mm, keep the audience's attention because of competition and so forth. In the video game industry and really in all entertainment, they're always trying to up the bar. And, and if your bar, and whatever your bar is, if your bar is shock value, then they're gonna keep shocking you. And if, if their bar is you know, beautiful backgrounds, then they gotta keep making them more beautiful. Um, Well in the case of of this of Mortal Kombat it was brutality and and so the more brutal they could make the game the more successful it would be and so when I started working on this game they were trying to show ways you know Mortal Kombat became famous for its very first version long long ago you know 25 years ago or something where uh, went on a fatality of course you had to kill your opponent with hand to hand combat the the most famous one was like ripping the 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 spine out of your opponent and, and watching the blood fly everywhere. I mean, that's the first version. So now you have to go ahead 25 years and 10 versions later and you see, okay, now with every critical strike, we have to zoom in um, on the, the spot of the strike. We have to switch to x-ray vision so we could see the bones breaking and sharding throughout the body and hear the screaming of the, of the, of the victim, and so you know I'm working on this, and I'm going. Wait a minute, why why am I doing this? Like this isn't helping anything anywhere. And and that was even um, more exemplified when we were we had a, a a problem a bug with the release where people on the PC couldn't download the game for you know six hours or something you know whatever they've been waiting this long anyway right six hours delay and and they were calling our office and they were threatening our our lives and our families' lives because the game was coming out too late. And so, and I, and I remember the, my director at the time saying like, what is wrong with these people? And it was so obvious to me, like, hello, we're making a game about how brutally we can kill people. Of course, that's the kind of reaction you're going to get. That's the audience that you're getting. So when when that started to happen, I realized that the video game industry was probably not the best for me even though I had gotten to work on Dora the Explorer games, which were, which I actually really enjoyed quite a bit, even way before my awakening, because it was a different type of challenge and, and trying to communicate to four year old children and things like that. So there were still positives in it, of course, but, but it really was when I had an experience, uh, I had an ayahuasca experience and that, 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 started the, the, that was the, the catalyst. Right. And, and it was that, that experience that opened my eyes to the idea that science doesn't have it all figured out.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, oh, a couple of things. Um, we'll get into your ayahuasca experience and science doesn't have it all figured out. <laughs> uh, I think I had a chat with, I think it was Daryl Anker. We were talking about his movies because we spoke more. This is the guy who channels Bashar. Right. Uh, we had the conversation we had a few years ago was more about his movie release and, and, and the movies that he makes more than the Bashar, his teachings, because lots of people talk about Bashar. And I think he wanted to really hone that message home about his movies that he makes because he's like the personality. Daryl is passionate about it. And right. we were talking about, I think it was with him, that you know, like sometimes people who experience violence in a movie or on a video console are doing it in this environment, this sort of like, you know, fake environment, and they don't actually do it in their real life. It's sort of they get their frustrations and anger out there so that they don't go off and kill people in real life. Do, do you think that right. it's something I hadn't thought about because my perspective was more like if you're showing people violence, then they're going to like be focused on violence and they're going to be more violent in their life. That was my perspective and he had a different I think it was him. He had a different perspective. What do you think about that?
0: Well, every individual is different, and so yes, some cases I'm sure that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure in some cases your perspective is true. Right. And, and so you know, with I was working on a uh, a virtual reality game. So now we're getting even closer to to experiencing right. real life through a video game, and we're putting this headset on, and you're so immersed in the game that as you rotate around to look around in the environment you completely lose track of which direction you're looking in in real right.
1: life. Right. So you
0: can you can be doing this and then you take the helmet off and you go, "Oh, I'm facing over here. Wow, I didn't realize that I was doing that." So that goes to show like how deeply immersed you are in the game. And what? we were working on one of the the games or the 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 first first person shooters for a, a virtual reality. And, and so we made a conscious effort to make sure that we were only shooting robots, that we were never shooting a human being because we did not want to have that much of a reality feel to this virtual reality. Of course, someone else is going to do it, but we didn't want to blaze that trail.
1: Yeah, 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 well, violence in our world, um... You know, from the soul's perspective, you say that you were listening to the um, last show I did with Robert. We're talking about soul contracts and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how we, as souls, you know write in the challenges often often violence and abuses in that you know beaten up and raped and stuff like that uh, before we come. so so the soul does want to experience the contrast, like that's what the soul is like asking for because you can't experience from where we come from on the spirit side, as some people call it. Uh, uh, um, Yeah. Maybe this earth is the video game.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh boy. Have I thought about that a lot? Like we're playing, we're playing this game called earth and you get to pick your avatar and you get to pick your parents and you get to experience this life. And everything that happens here is just a video game and as soon as it's over you go oh wow i had no idea because if you think about what we're going to do especially from that video game world we're going to uh try to create that in this reality so we're going to keep making the game more and more and more realistic so that we can even forget that we exist and that our only experience might be the video game so that we can have a full life experience inside the game. And then, and then tr- when the game turns off, you go, oh, crud, I forgot that I was Zane Daniel living in you know, the Chicago area
1: right. because
0: I was this other character and I got to be whoever I wanted to be and experience right. whatever I wanted to experience. So how is that any different? than the experience that we're having right now
1: yeah it's a interesting oh, it's an interesting subject because you know i think a lot of i'm just getting this visual of kids you know sitting in their track suits on their game in their gaming and not having any life like apart from the couch and chips and going out for takeout and coming back home maybe they're on how they're making money i don't know but just like living for anyway we won't go down there that's a, that's, a, that's a whole nother conversation we'll do that another time but let's okay. talk about the ayahuasca so what happened you had who so how does this does a, a video game you know skeptical guy find an ayahuasca ceremony like what was leading how did that happen
0: well okay so this was a this was a complete amateur this was not a shaman <laughs> right. uh by any means this was a friend essentially that said hey let's try the you know i've got this stuff then we can try it and there were four of us that did and and he got the dosage completely wrong which right. you know you would expect uh oh you know that's a bad thing well actually he got the dosage wrong in the opposite direction so of the four of us i was the only one that experienced anything and right. and my experience was only about 20 minutes right so i got but but that's all it took because instantly I was speaking to a voice that was extremely wise, way more wise than I could ever be. And immediately I knew that I could ask it pretty much any question and it would have the answer for me. And, uh, and so I went from, of course, a science believing like that's just, uh, must be stuff that people imagine to actually experiencing it, sitting there and asking these questions and having these incredible answers with visuals to help illustrate what the answers to my questions were. And so that just, that in a snap, I, I changed completely.
1: Wow. Oh, you were just primed, ready to wake up. Just didn't take much. It's like bang. Yep. And the voice. Okay. The voice. Um, how do you identify the voice? So somebody that's probably not believing in spirit guides or God of any type how did you reconcile the voice like what the you know who is well
0: yeah i didn't i mean i just called it the voice it it felt male it felt like a version of my own thoughts uh but it definitely didn't come from me so like one of my one of the the moments that i remember i don't remember all the questions certainly and all the answers but a couple of them i do and one of them was uh, you know, I invested in real estate in my in my pursuit of money. I tried all these different things. I had all my own businesses and real estate and all this stuff. So of course, this was at the tail end of the economic downturn, and so I was asking th- this voice, and I'm almost embarrassed that I asked it this question. I asked, so what about this whole real estate thing? You know, I, I previously I asked things like, how should I live, and you know, beautiful questions about existence, and then I go, how's this real estate thing? And and it says, um, well, we don't want you to fail, but we really don't want you to succeed either. And I am thinking, well, why, you know, like, what's the problem? Like I take care of my tenants. I want to make sure that they're, that they're, that they're doing well and that, that I'm not, you know, I'm not a slumlord and, and all that. And so, you know, it's, it said a word to me and it said a word that I had probably never used. If I ever did, it was a joke because I didn't believe it. Um, it. And it and and it certainly didn't apply to me, and I don't even know if it applied to anyone else. It said the word greed, greed, greed. Yeah. So I'm a capitalist, right, through and through, and so I don't believe in anything called greed. I didn't even think that that was a problem. Um, and so that when it when it said that that what I was doing was was being greedy, I didn't understand at the time. But I also knew that wasn't me talking <laughs> because I did not come up with that word. I would have not said yeah.
1: that. You wouldn't want to deem yourself as greedy.
0: No, Yeah. no.
1: Right, okay, and then?
0: Okay, so later of course I look back at that and I actually apply what I learned again from Bashar to I wasn't following my highest excitement when I did the real estate. I was following the money. And because I was trying to figure out a way to make it so that I could feel um, comfortable and have enough passive income that I could do quote unquote whatever I wanted, which would be travel and you know all the things that of course we're we're pre-programmed when we're children to want to do with our money. So so that was that was critical. But but I think even more critical from that was that even after the ayahuasca experience was long over, I could continue to talk to the voice at any time that I wanted to. And I just knew to try it. And I, and I you know, kind of honed the ability to, to talk to it and work with it. And over the next couple of years, probably four, three or four years, that's pretty much as far as I advanced. I was just speaking to this voice when I wanted to. And I told a few of the closer friends, uh, the ones that were actually there at the Ayahuasca Experience, that, that I could talk to a voice. And they were similar to me in that they didn't really believe it. But But, you know, they would ask it questions, and it would give answers that they would go, "Oh, how would you ever possibly know that?" And so yeah. they, they started to kind of become fans of the voice, and so we would use it at different times whenever we were doing as a as a friend group. So it just became this kind of fun side thing that that we could have access to whenever we wanted.
1: That's so cool let's go to Zane's and ask the voice. I
0: get a call and they go, Oh, I got this thing. I got this situation. What should I do? And I go, okay, let me ask the voice. And, and it was a very simple process. I could just kind of close my eyes and kind of go into a bit, bit of a meditative state. And I would ask the question. And, and this is what I would suggest actually to anyone who, who wants to start channeling is you ask the question and you wait for the answer. And, and a lot of people have a little bit of trouble waiting for an answer because they want to answer it themselves. They're like, hey, my brain is going, it's firing. It's firing out an answer. Well, if you ask the question and wait for an answer, then you're kind of separating that ego mind, that earth mind, and, and kind of telling it to quiet down a little bit. And then if it doesn't answer right away, you ask the question again. I, I equate it to if I were talking to you and I would and ask you, how many brothers and sisters do you have? And then interrupt you and say, you don't have any, you know, you have five or, you know, whatever. That's weird, right? Like you wouldn't do that. You would sit and you would wait to hear what the, what the answer was. And so through that process, uh, I was able to fairly quickly, not always, uh, get an answer to my question.
1: Cool. Oh, that's so, that's so true. You've got to wait. That's the thing. People ask their guides, like, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And then they don't listen. And then they say, you know, my guides don't talk to me. (laughs) It's like, do you actually listen? (laughs) Because they're talking to you. Are you listening? Yeah. Well,
0: and that statement that you just made, my guides don't talk to me becomes their reality because they're making that negative statement.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And what I find when I'm coaching people is that they get guidance all the time. It just, they go, oh yeah, well that happened. Oh, and that happened. And that happened. But this, my guides don't talk to me becomes their reality. And so even when they're receiving guidance, they're usually ignoring it or not listening to it because they've got the reality. My guides don't talk to me, but they're talking to you all the time. Okay. So when did it go from the voice to something more?
0: Well, it it happened when my my, uh, girlfriend at the time, her mother, uh, was was dying of of breast cancer, and she'd been battling it for about ten years. And there was a moment that she was in hospice, and there was uh, my my girlfriend at the time, and her, uh, Jessa, and her brother Gabriel, and the three of us were kind of lamenting over the choices that the medical choices we had made for their mother, Ginny, mm-hmm. and. And we were feeling bad about it and and we thought that maybe we could have made some different decisions that would have impacted the the end of of her life and And so it was it was a pretty critical moment where we were all kind of upset. and it was to my shock that Gabriel turned to me and he said, "Why don't you ask the voice?" Um, and per, up to that point, the voice had just been kind of like a sideshow, you know, but but then, in such a serious moment to say, Let's ask this wise entity that none of us really understands and knows where it comes from. Did we make the right choice? And so I I closed my eyes and I and I could barely even get the question out before I got the answer, which yeah. is you did everything you did with love. And and there was that sense of relief from all all three of us really. We went, oh my gosh, okay, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, we didn't make any mistakes here. You can't make a mistake, blah, blah, blah. So So then uh, a few days later, really, uh, she passed. And a few days after that, uh, Jessa and I were were going to bed. And uh, all of a sudden, I just started kind of mm, forcefully talking to her in a way that I wouldn't normally. And I was kind of trying to give her some advice whether she wanted it or not. And she was very confused by this. And she was kind of ask me like, what, what the heck are you doing? You know, this is way outside of your personality, but it wasn't outside of her mother's personality. And that's, and I was kind of in and out of the experience. And I realized that, oh my gosh, you know, this, this Bashar guy that I've been watching for the last couple of years, I think the thing I've been watching is actually happening right now. And so I was able to say, "Jessa, I think this is your mom. Um, And she had that response of, you better not be you know, pulling my leg right now because this is serious, you know, like this is not something to be, my mom just died, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, well, just, just ask her a question and see if she knows something. And, and so she did And she asked her mom a question that only she and her mom would know the answer to. And so she got the response that she wanted. And so she immediately switched and, and decided to have this conversation with her mother. And this is when my really my first full on channeling experience happened and and i think my first and and my one of my favorite downloads that i've ever received because her mother was trying to help jessa understand that even though her mother was very judgmental on jessa throughout her life that that version of her was completely incorrect and she was apologizing for having been so judgmental and she said things like you've never made a mistake and and you are perfect, and you never will make a mistake. Everything that you've ever done has been perfect, and and so congratulations, you made it. You're exactly where you're supposed to be, and you and and you you can trust that every decision you make will be perfect, and and you don't need to judge yourself anymore. And so you know that was a powerful moment, and I use that one on people uh, all the time because we so often get into that mindset that. We're worried about mistakes. We're worried about the the judgment that others are going to have or that, or unfortunately our internal judge, which we use all the time on ourselves. Um, and, and it's a powerful, it's a powerful statement and it really helps you take a deep breath and relax and say, I'm doing just fine.
1: Yeah. Wow. What a powerful experience. I bet your girlfriend was in tears. Yeah hearing that that's wow that's beautiful zane that's really beautiful oh
0: yeah it was it was amazing and 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 i think i have to say that um my favorite thing that she did and when i near the end i could kind of tell it was fading and i and yeah. i said okay i think this is almost over and so she said okay well i have one more question for you mom and i thought this was such a brilliant question she just simply asked mom how are you and and oh my gosh this wave of bliss that washed over me I, I like fell back in bed and, and I had tears coming from my, from down, rolling down my my cheeks and I, and I really, I, I was smiling so hard that my face hurt and, yeah. and I was trying to describe all of this, like, this is a beautiful, perfect place. There's nothing you have to worry about. It's, it's awesome. And, and so that was, I know that was very healing. It was healing for me and it was probably healing for her as well.
1: Yeah. Right. Having that experience and trying to explain what you're feeling. Um, is there a way that you could sort of touch her and like, say, feel what I'm feeling, you know, like this is oh, how yeah. you feel. You know, I
0: could, yeah. That's a beautiful idea. And actually I could probably do that now, but at right. that time, I hardly knew what the heck was happening to me.
1: Yeah,
0: I just had to describe it the best that I could.
1: Exactly. And trying to describe that feeling. Which is, I think, we're all attempting to do. Those that have had NDEs and those that's, you know, contact that reality and, you know, trying to relay, this is who you are and this is where you come from. And yeah, beautiful. Okay, so what happened next? <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: so much fun. I love telling these these stories. So so then I decided to go. I, I had been interested and had been studying permaculture for a few years.
1: Okay.
0: Are you familiar with permaculture?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: I, I would imagine your audience is fairly familiar with it as well.
1: If so not, I can Google I, it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So look up per- permaculture. It's a pretty yeah. cool idea. Anyway. Uh, so I went to a permaculture design course and and I was there for about three weeks and I met up with, there were 20 other students in the, in this course and it was, you know, all day, every day course. And right away when I arrived, there were all these very interesting people that I felt like uh, we all already knew each other. We had that amazing, like, you know, who are you? Where are you from? Oh, you're from Philadelphia. I've never even been to Philadelphia. Okay. Well, how about you? Uh, Finland? (laughs) No, I haven't (laughs) been there. Okay. So there's no way we actually know each other. And there was this experience that many people were having of deja vu. And, and this took place in the mountains uh, the smoky mountains of tennessee which is native american cherokee country and uh so fairly early on we ha- i had a really interesting interaction with uh, sani she was the one from finland and you know i'm i had just had this channeling experience i have the voice that's really all i have
1: mm-hmm. and
0: but she talked about something called Reiki, which I had barely even known what it was. Like, I just kind of heard it once or twice and didn't understand. So so she, I, I, I went up and had a conversation with her. And I said, okay, well, can you tell me more about this Reiki thing? So she describes the basics of it. And the next thing you know, she's just staring at me and she's not saying anything. And so this would normally be kind of an awkward situation, of course. But for whatever reason, I decided you know let's just go with it but you know i'm going to stare right back and see what the heck happens here i'm so glad that i did because as i stared back into her eyes uh you know if you've ever done that the world kind of shifts and you know you start to kind of hallucinate a little bit but then the next thing i know i was no longer present i was gone i don't know where i was i was somewhere else and and I started speaking to her, and she responded to me. And then all of a sudden, I remember feeling this wave of disappointment. And then I was back, and and I said, uh, "Okay, so what the heck just happened there?" Now, you know, she she was this this pillar of of you know energy. So everybody wanted to talk to her. Everybody thought she was really neat and special, and really stood out. And I did too, but I didn't know why. You know, I couldn't have explained it to anyone. And and so she says, oh, well, you just channeled another entity from another dimension. Okay. Uh, you know, so the, I have so many questions at this point. Like, well, okay, I guess I could see that since I just did the mom thing. But, you know, how the heck did you know that? But, you know, I didn't ask, ask any of these questions. Um, she just said, um, well, she, I, I asked her what it was that we, we talked about. And she said, oh, well, you asked me to leave this world with you. And I said, okay, so what did you say? And she said, well, I said, no. I, oh, okay, so now I understood that feeling of disappointment. So I tell this little story because this is still a guy who barely understands anything that's going on here. And, and it wasn't that long ago that science was my only religion. So I'm very confused at, at, at all this that's happening now.
1: You know what I love about this story? Because as somebody who is like you, this is why I relate to you and I wanted to speak to you, I'm an awakener, you know, like my elevator pitch is the, uh, you know, accelerator, what is it? Oh, God, I'm not in my right mind today. The um, (laughs) activator, accelerator, accentuator, acclimator of the new world teachers. And so the confusion for me was always am I speaking like, am I speaking a language to people who are just waking up? Or am I speaking, you know, what my guides are bringing through, which is way beyond what people just waking up can understand. Right? Who am I speaking to? But listening to your story, and Elisa Medhus made me see this too. You know, she was a mom uh, that was brought up by militant skeptics and and she started her um, spiritual journey when her son shot himself and she started to, like, think there's got to be something after this whereas she never thought that before right and and then she's cha- and then she's talking to mediums that are channeling aliens and blah 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 so it's like the acceleration process from woe to go is like going from naught to a hundred like this and this is kind of your story you know what i mean it's you know right. over a few years like i'm mentoring a young healer here a young channel and i said you know what's taking what you've done in two years took me 20 and this is what's happening now. Like people are waking up and going from, I don't believe in any of that crap to channeling (laughs) interdimensional beings. Right. such a short period of time. And this is, I love this, you know, I love this accelerated awakening process. And this is really your story, I suppose.
0: Right. And, and understanding and, and mm, enjoying or, or focusing the message four different audiences, I think is really important. And that will eventually lead us into the comic book because that, that um, target audience is a general audience. It is, it is not our our spiritual audience whatsoever, though our spiritual audience very much enjoys the comic. um, It's targeted differently. And, and, uh, and as, as a lover of entertainment, I've been in video game industry, you know, done a lot of writing and doing this comic book the target audience is so important and it's fun to bring that knowledge to this awakening process because we can really uh, um, um, help a lot of different people at different stages of their awakening.
1: Infotainment, you know, when back in 95, I went and did an Anthony Robbins course and he had that coined the phrase infotainment, you know, bringing information through entertainment. And I thought, Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that, you know, and I think that a lot of entertainment is there's so many people out there saying that disclosure is happening through the sci fi movies, and right, and what we're looking at is actually there's a lot of truth in it, even though it seems like complete fantasy uh, to that adult mind. To the adult mind, <laughs> Not the ch- yes. I had my brother here and I was trying to get him connected to his higher wisdom, and he's, he's such an adult. And I said, remember when you were a kid? Like I was trying to use that doorway of the kid. I said, if the child would answer this, because I'm saying, do you believe in aliens? Because he stayed with me for a while. And he's going, you know, the adult mind says, no, absolutely not. And he said, yeah, I'd like to believe in it. I said, but do you? And he goes, no, not at all. And I said, what would the child say? (laughs) And he goes, well, the child would say, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Right, right. Okay, so where are we in the story? Channeling a? Um, did she say who it was? I mean, I know identity is something. No, different.
0: she didn't. She didn't say who it was, and I don't even know if I would have remembered if she had because right. I didn't know anything about that world at that point. Yeah. But but what it seems to me is that it was a actually a lower density entity at that time right. because my vibration probably wasn't high enough to bring mm. in that higher entity, and so. Um, you know, in, in retrospect, I, I I probably, you know, uh, I, I probably wouldn't be able to do that now. You know, e- that sort of entity wouldn't wouldn't even be able to access me at this point.
1: Right, right. Which is something that a lot of people ask. You know, if I start channeling, am I going to be channeling demonic spirits? I don't really even believe in demonic spirits, but there's definitely right. lower density vibrational yeah. frequencies and thought forms out there that you could identify as a, a demonic spirit spirit if you wanted to use that vernacular. But um, yeah, Mm -hmm. and it all depends on our frequency. Raise your vibe and you'll only be a vibrational match to, you know, the vibe you're emanating. So yeah. Okay. So what happened next?
0: Okay. So I'm still here at the permaculture course. And at that moment, after she realizes that I just channeled an entity from another dimension, she says, do you believe in past lives? At this point, I have to, inside my head, I'm saying, not really, but I don't want to say no because that would probably end the story she's about to tell me. And I don't really want to lie and say yes because that would be lying and saying yes, that I do do when I don't. And so I I thought, actually, I don't have any idea. So what I'm going to say is, the only thing that I know is that I know nothing. Mm. And she was satisfied with that answer and said, oh, good, you're open-minded. Okay, here's what's going
1: on. And so she
0: was able to say that you know how we're all feel like we already know each other, you know, how we, you, we all are having deja vu. Um, I believe that that is because we are all a part of a Cherokee tribe that is, uh, no longer, uh, that, that has been brought back together here for some specific reason. And we've been reunited. Um, she didn't know what the reason was, but that's what seemed right to her. Well, I have to say that at that moment, it certainly seemed right to me too. It just, it resonated. And I don't even, didn't even know the word resonated at that point, right? Like I just went, okay, yeah, that's it. Um, and so we ended up going around and kind of telling other people in the in the group that this is what we believe is going on. And and once, you know, and I and I was kind of doing it because I wanted to see their reaction because here I am going, uh, you know, you I don't are, know.
1: You are open-minded. Uh,
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's see what they say. And yeah. Yeah, to a man, everybody said, oh yeah, that's what's going on. So so then a few more days pass and Sunny and I have another one-on-one conversation and she proceeds to say, I would like to tell you a little bit more about why I believe that we're all uh, from a Cherokee tribe in a past life. And she says that a few years prior, she had had a vision while she was meditating That this particular Cherokee tribe was under attack, and that we all had to escape the village at that time, and that she was one of the last ones to leave the village because she was making sure everybody got out okay. And there was a meetup point that we were supposed to to regroup at, and so she was the last one to make it to the meetup group. It took her a while to get there, and when she got there, the whole tribe was there, but they were all hung to death in trees. And at this moment, during the recollection of this, the, the, this vision, she cried, and she cried because she felt that no one had ever grieved for the deaths of, of this Native American tribe. And, uh, and at this point, she, she told me that she would rather me not go around and tell everyone this portion of the story because she felt that it was a little bit gruesome, and, and you know, she didn't want to scare everybody or make, you know, make a negative kind of experience. And so I agreed, of course, and, and went forward with this information. It was, you know, interesting to me, but I didn't really put a whole lot of stock into it. So then a few days later, I was having another conversation with probably the male pillar of the group, this, this farmer who everybody really loved, and he, he was, you know, gritty, but he could also sing and rap and, and play instruments and stuff. He was just this really neat, well-rounded guy. And he and I were having a conversation. I, I said, hey, you know, isn't it cool how Sonny believes that we're all a part of a Cherokee tribe and uh, in a past life? And he said, oh, no, actually, I hadn't heard that yet. Oh. And and he said, uh, I I want to tell you a story. I feel compelled to tell you this story. So it, we were on a walk. I mean, he stopped dead in his tracks because he really needed to tell me this. And he said, um, a couple of years ago, I, my, my, I was going to lose my farm. And and one of my friends had come over and they could see that I was upset. And he, and his, his friend put his hand on his shoulder and he said, are you okay? You know, in that way that, that makes you start to cry, you know, you can't help yourself. And so he just let it out. He just, he saw it as an opportunity to, to let out this worry, this stress that he was under. And he, and he ended up crying so hard that he was, he was like, crawling around on the floor. He was wailing. He said, it's the, the hardest he'd ever cried in his entire life. And he crawled outside and he, and he crawled up to a tree and, and was crying still and grabbed onto this tree. And as soon as he did, he had a vision that he was walking through a forest and he came upon an indigenous tribe of people that were all hung to death in trees. And the reason that he was crying was because no one had grieved for them before. So there it was, That's what I needed. I needed that exact story so that I could say, okay, I put some stock into this. It's finally that proof, not physical, but that mental proof that I needed that said, okay, I'm all in.
1: I'm all in. Right. So it took that to really shake you out of, this is fun, but I don't really believe it. And then right. you're like, Oh damn, this is actually happening. Like, this is, this is real. This is right. my reality. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Cool. And did he go and tell the, um where was she? Yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. Uh In Finland.
0: So Finland. Um, So, so he, we decided that, that, you know, because he had told me not to, or she had told me not to tell anybody. So I had to say, could you do me a favor and could you tell Sunny that story because you know she'd really like to hear it? And he was kind of like, "Oh well, why would I do that? It's kind of gruesome and bad. I I don't know if that's a good idea." No, no, no. Trust me, <laughs> you really need to tell her this story. It's it's important. And one more thing, uh, make sure I'm there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so then yeah, I got to be there while they they exchanged the story, and it was the exact response that you would expect. She was in shock and awe, and at the same time, she was well, of course, and and then when she told him her story, it was the same response. Yeah. So all three of us just knew, you know, all of this was true.
1: And did you all grieve? I mean, I did, was there, I just.
0: No, we I celebrated. Know.
1: Yeah. We, like I, I just, the, the part of the story that says, I feel like we need to grieve because nobody grieved. That's the part that I kind of find, do we need to grieve? Or can, you know, celebration would be something that I would think would be a better thing to do than grieve. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Like and celebrate and so we, their
1: life and their death and that we're all back together again. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yes. And so we immediately went around and told everyone the full story now. Right. Uh, it was too important and and it, it was of course well loved and, and 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 we achieved a bond that we would have never achieved in any other way. And so we all knew for sure. And and there's been so much more reinforcement of this of this story as well because another member of the, of that group came and visited me a a year or two later. And we, we happened to meet up with a psychic that I knew. And, and she, and she said, uh, oh, you guys have shared a past life before, you know, and she didn't know this story. And she said, oh, and you're from a, you're from a Native American tribe, you know, so there was just been a lot of additional confirmation as if I needed it, which I, I didn't, (laughs) but it, it helped, right?
1: I know it's so cool when you get that confirmation. Like, as I was telling you, this young channel that I was mentoring, we were swapping sessions, and so she would, I would mentor her, and then she would do her channeling on me. And at that point, she had only written; she hadn't verbally spoken. And I'm like, right, okay. well, we're gonna get, we're gonna get you speaking, and you're gonna do it to me. Like, so I'm just getting her out there. Acceleration, put that foot on the accelerator. And mm-hmm. she saw this, you know, like Merlin type old man character. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've heard about him before. And then I'd forgotten that I had this friend who draws spirit. And every time I sit in front of her, she draws the same dude. And I had a picture of him. And um, so I said, you know, like, is this him? And she got that confirmation that, you know, not only is she seeing it, that some other people have seen it. And so yeah. it's great to get that confirmation because that little mind is always saying, nice story, but am I making this up?
0: <laughs> right. Well, and think about our language. We use words that are very three dimensional when we talk about proof. We we say solid proof or concrete evidence. We you know, we're using three dimensional words to describe the th- otherwise we don't believe it. And so we and 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 we use words like the ether to say things that don't exist. So I mean we're predisposed even in our language to be- to not believe any of this.
1: Yeah. Okay, so there's so much more to your story. I mean, we could talk all day, which <laughs> we don't have all day. But uh, okay, so from there, how long ago was that 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 happened?
0: Oh, um, it's about three years ago, two or three years ago.
1: So that's pretty recently. Like, that's oh, recently. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. And yes, now and you're activating really...
1: crystals and channeling the Arcturians and the Hearthors And now you're like in it, on it, you know. Yeah, so yeah. How did you go from okay, now I'm all in to doing what you're doing now? Like, when did the Hathors and the Arcturians and wh- which was the other? Uh, they're the two I relate to because I chat with them. Oh, oh the Andromatans. The Andromatans, yeah, yeah. yeah. When did they uh, the, introduce the, themselves?
0: The Arcturians and Andromatans are not as obvious to me. I just know that they're present, uh, but the Hathors are very clear and very evident. Um, when and- did
1: they? introduce themselves and say "Ah, huh? uh,
0: the, the, the beginning of 2018
1: right and what happened
0: um well it was another uh experience where i i pretty much asked because i i was getting information that i w- i had quite a few gifts and but i didn't know what they were yet and so there was one time where i just pretty much sat down with the voice who now were the Hathors. And, and I was able to ask questions like, okay, what's my main thing? How can I do it? And they just started giving me the information. And so I was able to now be, to do the, the activations. And, and it was a fun process because it wasn't all just given to me. A lot of it, I had to kind of figure it out by testing it out on people and saying, okay, what did you experience here? And what did you experience there? Because I still come from that science background. So I still want that evidence and and I want people to be to, to give me that feedback so that I know I'm going in the right direction and uh and it just continued to get more and more powerful and it was through all the different people that I worked with that more and more of it became discovered and then I would go back and I'd say oh okay this person that I was doing this activation for said hey this crystal that's sitting on my desk this crystal wants you to activate it and I would go oh well, that's a good idea, and then I would do it, and then, and then it would change. I mean, it physically changed. We can talk about all that, and, and, and so then I would be able to ask the Hathors, okay, what happened? And, and so then they would be able to explain all the different aspects of it. So it was through communication with them, and then also, of course, working with a number of other uh, channels that are you know, all part of Ethan's group Mm. that we're able to answer some questions as well. So it's really been kind of this fun community exploration.
1: How did you find Ethan? Or how did he find you? I mean, how did that happen?
0: Okay, so this is fun. Because, because of the comic book, uh, I've been always looking for ways to get the word out about it. Yeah. And, and I also, uh, like I've mentioned before, have been a, a fan of Bashar. And so every once in a while I would go on YouTube and see if there was a new interview with Daryl Anka or Bashar, just to see if there was some sort of new tidbit that I could get. And one day I saw an interview where Ethan was interviewing Daryl Anka. And so I watched that and I was struck by Ethan. And so then I ended up looking up Ethan and I applied to his uh, Lightworker program. And so I got to have this conversation with him where Uh, you know, he explained a lot about what was actually happening to me. And so I became a part of his lightworker program. And so then I got to meet all the other lightworkers that were in the program and how, and how amazingly talented they all were. And so that's why I was saying that that kind of community came from that where we were all, you know, in each other's corner and, and helping each other and giving each other good ideas and channeling information and you know, it's just been an awful lot of fun and huge growth for all of us.
1: Yeah. He attracts, yeah. He attracts some awesome people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But again, there must've been um, that soul agreement before you came that you would come down and do this work together. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, from everything that I understand and, and I've gotten a lot of confirmation on this, Uh, that I was a Hathor in many of my previous incarnations, including having been here on earth during the time of the hieroglyphs, the ancient Egypt. um, And that's the time that I learned how to do the soul essence activation. And interestingly enough, Ethan was incarnated during that time as a Hathor as well. He was off planet while I was on planet. And so we were, we were working together to kind of develop the, the soul essence activation And, and it's, and it's kind of neat because during one of my channeling experiences with uh, Veronica Avalon, who is part of the program as well, she, she channels the ninth dimensional Pleiadians. And when she first channeled them, they saw me, and they said, "Oh good, it's Awakener. We're so glad that you' you're here and that you're talking to us. You bring your awakening abilities with you to all of the different um, planets and and all of your incarn our past incarnations. Uh, they They called it a technology. Um, so you know so there's just more and more confirmation that you know all of this was definitely for a reason.
1: So cool. Yeah. Well, I was there with you in Egypt, I tell you, <laughs> with all you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, the Awakener. So, uh, to you, how do you explain the Hathors? We've had a few people on the show who talk about the Hathors. Like, how are they, you, what's your perspective of these beings and how, how do they help us and what's their relationship with Earth and. Right. Were they physical beings on earth at one time? Obviously you said they are.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting to me because I think you even kind of hinted at it a little bit earlier. Sometimes the, that information is not as important as the information as to how can we help people and how are we helping them and what are we doing to, to make the world better? Um, And so Uh, it's been an interesting part of the process for me because it's sometimes, sometimes I get really into it and I start really researching or I ask a lot of questions of the Hathors and other times I just kind of go, you know what? It's not important. Or they tell me that I say, Oh, tell me more about you. What are your names? Who are you? They go, yeah, it's just not important. Like it, it's cool that you're talking to us and we're here to help you, but you don't need all of this information. It isn't necessary for your journey. Um, so with all that said, it's, it's kind of fun because the the cover of the comic book uh, I created, it's almost been three years now. And so that was before I even knew I was communicating with the Hathors. Right. Um, and so the cover of the comic book, the very first thing that happens to our, to the main character is that he is visited by a being of light and this being of light, it was very important for me at this time, even three years ago, uh, to, to get the look of that character exactly the way that I wanted it and the way that I pictured it in my mind. And so, you know, the poor artist had to keep redrawing and redrawing and redrawing until it was to my satisfaction. And, and now when I look back on it and I see that it was a Hathor that he was drawing. And, and so I had, I had seen it, didn't know that I was looking at it. And so that's one of the many kinds of proofs of the, of the synchronicity of the comic book, you know, long before I even knew.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, What was the question? Yeah. The human, you know, the human ego, the human mind wants to know all those details. And I've got to say, I've got a human mind. I do too. But um, I guess that experiencing them is much more interesting than, you know, knowing what they look like and all that sort of stuff because their energy is so beautiful. And obviously they work with sound and music. And I think that they've been working with, humanity for as long as humanity has been here through music and yes. have you heard of Tom Kenyon?
0: Oh yes, very much. And uh, yeah. And so they definitely have me do tones. If you listen to the, to the soul activation, that's very much a very important part of, of that process. And so I'm hearing these tones in my head that are definitely coming straight from them. And, and those tones are used to prepare the body for the energy that you're, that they're about to receive. And, uh, so it, there's just so many different aspects of, of the experience that again, like my, my need to identify exactly who they are and exactly what they're doing is not nearly as important as the, as the actual energy and as the shift that's, that's occurring.
1: Yeah. So obviously the comic book was uh, someone calling the cat.
0: <laughs> I've, yeah. I've got a dog in, that is, that is whining over here. So I apologize.
1: <laughs> He's been, Oh, we've been yakking for almost an hour now. So we'll have to, um, there's so much more to say. So obviously when you, when you woke up, you thought, how can I use my skills? You know, I don't want to discount all that stuff that I've done in the video gaming to like talk to a mainstream audience and bring them a better message and not like let's kill each other. And that's the, so the comic book was born Righteous. Right, right. And, and the name Righteous, is that mm-hmm. just sort of comic book speak? Is like that like, kind of like the comic book people sort of get that name, Righteous?
0: Oh, no, not at all. Actually, I think that that if anything, the comic book people are a little bit confused by that name. And that name is very intentional and has a lot of intre- interesting you know, depth to it because uh, certainly, here in the United States, the word "righteous" uh, has many definitions, and probably two of them of the of the three probably main definitions are negative. Um, yeah. One of them is the you know the Christian term uh, "righteousness" mm-hmm. and, and and how that has had uh, an impact in our history. And then the other, the other use is self-righteous, right? So, right. so we, we look at people and say, oh, he's being self-righteous and that's not something that we want. But the actual definition of the word is just doing the right thing. And so I, I really liked the idea of, and, and maybe this is being very um, confident, but I like the idea of, of redefining and bringing back the word righteous to mean what its original definition is, which is just simply doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And and so the the concept of the comic came actually during uh, the the election of uh, the president of the United States. At the time, uh, Mr. Bernie Sanders was was gaining in popularity, and I found myself studying him. He just seemed like a very interesting individual. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, in in Congress. You could look back in his '80s and '90s videos where he's in Congress and he's slamming his fist on the table and he's telling everybody. This is not right. This is not being good for the people. This is just you trying to fill your bank accounts and all the negative things that politicians do. And of course, you can look at those videos and you can see the the other congressmen going, "Oh my gosh, would this guy just shut up?" You know, and and even as a, a if I would have watched that at the time of the 80s and 90s, I would have felt like the rest of those congresspeople. I would have said, "Shut the old coot up." He mm-hmm. doesn't understand how politics works. And so, but now I'm having this awakening experience and I'm looking at him completely differently. And I'm realizing that he's just trying to do the right thing. He's just trying to help people. He's not trying to further his career. He's not trying to just push things through Congress. He's actually doing something good. And, and so it, it, it hit me that what would happen if everyone in the world one day just woke up committed to doing the right thing. And by the right thing, I just mean helping others. Now, we, you know, if it was, if it was just, you know, Bernie Sanders, we see exactly what that looks like. He's really struggling to make progress, but he's making progress, right? There's people that are awakening as a, as a result of Bernie Sanders, I have to say. Yeah. But, but at the same time, he's also running up against a very difficult world. And Mm so my, but the, the beginnings of my comic were just one-page short stories that would describe what it would be like if everyone in the world suddenly just one day woke up and were committed to doing the right thing, meaning helping others. So so for instance, uh, one of the one-page stories is about the the CEO of Walmart and what would happen that day. And he goes into his office and he says, Wait a minute. What are we doing? Let's let's put uh, like a billion dollars into feeding all the people in the world. Let's just do that. Let's you know that's what we have to do today. And there's another one that was of, of congressmen that were arguing over that had previously been arguing over uh, um, oil as energy versus um, you know solar p- power. And so they flip flop completely and go, yeah, we got to do solar power. Like it's dumb. It's not even an issue anymore. And so as I was writing these they were beautiful and what i was trying to do with them is say this is uh this is a a vision board for all of humanity right so let's let's create a vision board that everyone reads and if they believe that this is going to happen then we can make it happen easier the problem that i ran into is that there's no conflict it was just simply everything got better and as i kept writing them i realized oh my gosh, this is how you get to a utopian society. It's as simple as that. Simple, right? Everyone just wants to help each other. And so I realized that this wasn't going to get any traction in this way. As a matter of fact, I got a lot of very negative responses to it for people that said it was completely unrealistic and silly and, you know, and that lack of conflict. So then I said, okay, what if we made a story about one <laughs> i just I you know i'm just right.
1: thinking <laughs> yeah i know it's like i'm thinking about comic books as i say i'm not a comic book reader but mm-hmm. obviously the marvel movies come from the comics you know like right okay so it's not unrealistic to dress a man in a super suit and have him fly around the world saving people ah
0: yes but
1: it's unrealistic to think that the ceo of walmart would change its mind and start feeding the world like that's just like you know like
0: is that Beautiful, beautiful observation you just made there. Absolutely, and it's one of those things that what becomes the norm in 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 fiction is the belief system, and and that we can't possibly ever change the capitalist system. That that's impossible to change. Right. That that right. It's, it is right. a force of nature as strong as the earth and hurricanes and the and the rain. So, you know, don't even bother to try to change that. Now, superheroes, okay, yeah, that's cool. We get it. Um, You know, there's still conflict and there's still, so yeah, we could talk about that for a while, obviously, but beautiful observation and, and it's one of the reasons why I want to use entertainment to help people wake up because if they can start to, to follow the, the, the rules of that entertainment and start to believe in those rules then perhaps they can believe that those rules can translate into our our actual society
1: absolutely so I agree with you you know i'm thinking of that show undercover boss because that that kind of reminds me of what you're doing like you know the boss that runs the company it's all about the bottom line and then they go in as this undercover and they start they go down there with the nitty-gritty in the packing department and, you know, as a driver and they start meeting the people and seeing their struggles and their, you know, their disability, the kids and the mothers dying and they just start to like compassion, just empathy happens and then they start changing the whole company and giving money away and just, you know, doing what you said and righteous, it's just beautiful. Yeah, we need more of that out there. In the mainstream yes. mind, you know, like it's not about conflict and because it's always about fighting the good fight. It's so boring. It's like every movie that comes out, yeah, it's right. about the fight, it's about the good oh, versus yeah. evil, right? What if good just becomes good because it feels good, right? <laughs> because that, it feels good. It's like right. all these scientists out there talking about ancient scripts and you know, like, and the, the mind of a male, they like they need this scientific proof. I remember Greg Braden about 20 years ago using all these fabulous, you know, experiences and technology and talking about the ancients. And I'm sitting there going, but it just feels good to love people. So why can't you just want to feel good and love people? Like, why do you need all the technology? Why do you need all the science to feel loving? Doesn't it just feel good to love? (laughs) To me, it feels
0: right. And okay. So, so to continue then with the, with the comic. So I realized that I need, some sort of conflict. And so I say, all right, well, what would happen if just one person woke up one day and they were committed to helping others? And so I chose a a character who is a greedy corporate analyst. So he just wakes up because he's had a visitation from a a being of light that's touched Mm -hmm. him on the forehead and changes him so that he could only help others and he can't make money for himself anymore. So he goes to work, Thinking that he's going to do his life as normal, and everything kind of starts to fall apart because his work, it turns out, is actually very negative in helping corporations make money, even when people, when uh, when customers die or you know whatever. And and so he realizes that you know I need to change the way that I'm doing things, and he can't do anything else. It's it's like this physical force that's making him do that, and so he's just kind of going along for the ride and realizing that. Actually, this is kind of a good thing because I get almost like a, a dopamine response every time I do something good. And so there is this physical reward that we get when we do nice things for people. And we all get it. I mean, the, it's pre-programmed in us so that we help the tribal, our tribal brothers and sisters survive in a difficult time. So the, the other twist then is, is that every time he helps someone, he passes that on to them too. And so that is my way right. of spreading enlightenment for a mass market audience. I never talk about spirituality in the book. It's all about it's, it uses the money helping people angle rather than the talking to my spirit guides and, and, and all that. There are some nods, of course, where I, where I talk about this, this being comes at 1 11 AM and, you know, and so yeah. I'm doing some little, some little shout outs, but, yeah, yeah. but really it's written for that mass market so that it can be a catalyst.
1: Yeah. Fabulous. I love that. I just, I'm passionate about that. You know, my conversation is not a mass market conversation, but right. I'm passionate about, cause I just want to talk about, you know, Hathors and Acturians and, you know, (laughs) like soul contracts, you know, I just love, which is not a mass market conversation, but I'm passionate about activating that mass market. Yeah. That, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So what, where's the conflict? So he passes on his good deeds and it's a bit like pay it forward. Another great movie, pay it forward. Did you see? Right.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, his, his world kind of falls apart because now he can't make money for himself Right. So he's so now he's helping other people. He's he's losing his wife who wants to continue making money. He's losing his job because he can't work there anymore. And so and so it becomes a man versus society story um, where, you know, he's realizing he's suddenly incompatible with society, which really shows a lot about what our society is, that we are we do not encourage people to help each other as their main way of making money. We encourage people to be selfish as their main way of making money.
1: Oh, absolutely. I had a client like that. He was a plastic surgeon and very successful and very wealthy and he had it all right. And as a man who wanted to help people, you know, like a lot of plastic surgery is not about help, but there is, you know, fire victims. And he did a lot of deformities and people that were in fire. You know, this one guy had his head stuck to his shoulder from an acid, I think, you know, and he released him and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he just felt this need to help. So he went on to sort of do other things. Um, he joined some big company and I can't remember, like a, some sort of altruistic spiritual practice. And his mm-hmm. life fell apart. His kids Mm. said, you're crazy. His wife left him. He lost all his money. Like his life fell apart. Right. And he came to me as a desperate man. He, uh, yeah, he'd just lost everything. And anyway, we put the pieces together and he went off and um, he resumed his life and he remarried a lovely, beautiful young woman. And he went back to being a plastic surgeon but oh. he, he went back with a different perspective. Like it wasn't so much about the money. Cause I think the money thing, even though he was altruistic, he was just making so much money and buying mansions and, you know, fast cars and everything. But he went back with a different attitude that he could still do the same thing, but just do it with a different attitude. And, um, yeah, it was interesting. His life turned around after he went to see me. I'm just plugging myself now. But uh, it was so fascinating <laughs> to see this man's Beautiful. life turn around. Like I was sitting here and he's on 60 Minutes one day, you know. Because, oh, wow. he, Yeah, because of this guy that had the, you know, they were celebrating him and then uh-huh. saying how he'd changed this guy's life. And um, and then this man, he was a black man who lived in Africa and he came from a poor society after, and he was came to Australia and, was healed by this plastic surgeon and went back into his community and started this school to help kids and became like, he passed it on. Like you're, it's kind of like your, your comic. He was mm-hmm. touched by this surgeon and he passed it on. Like yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. So it happens in the world. It happens. And can we make it happen more? So I love the fact that you're saying your comic book is like a vision board. It's giving people the vision of what's possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. That's the idea.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, look, um, activating crystals. You know, I, I thought maybe we could do that. I've got a big crystal oh, yeah. over there. I could go and get, but I, you know, I saw you do it on oh, Ethan's show it. and, and I thought it's a big pink, um, crystal ball that's uh-huh, in my uh. living room that, um, Neil Donald Walsh gave me actually years ago when he was out here and, um, I don't know if I want it to change because you said sometimes they change when you are. Oh yeah.
0: Sometimes they can change very dramatically too. And, and I've get told a big story about that on that, on that channel as well, where, where, you know, I've had, I've had multiple of them change to the point where they're, you know, maybe there's like a big crack that goes down the center of it, or maybe it changes hue or it changes yeah. cloud to become more cloudy or less cloudy or there's any number of things. And, and that's because what's happening is that we, we're, we're, when we do, when I do the soul essence activation, people are changing timelines, and so you're shifting to a new timeline, and where that crystal has always been with a crack down the middle of it, but you you haven't been in that timeline. So, if anything, it's uh, crystals are beautiful because they can show you when you've changed timelines.
1: Yeah. So, how did you discover you could do this with the crystals? I guess the Hathors were just like. Yucking well, remember,
0: right. that was that one where I said that, that somebody I was doing a, uh, an activation for said, hey, this crystal wants you to activate it, remember? Right. And so I did it. And and so what's happening is that um, I'm changing the crystal so that its purpose matches yours. Its, its consciousness level moves, it shifts into yours. and uh, and And we get to find out, in many cases, we get to find out more about the purpose of that crystal during the activation as well.
1: Um, I love the story that you shared with the kids that all brought their crystals to the, um, do you want to talk about that? And, and should we do a crystal activation? Should we like pause it and let people go get their crystals and come oh, back? Oh,
0: absolutely. Yes. Let's please do that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, to tell, cause obviously this is a recording, so people can stop the recording and go and get a crystal and bring it. Right. Back right. And, um, right. I might do, I might go and get my
0: crystal. Yeah. It sounds good. So yeah, so that that story was fun. I was I was working with a group of kids. Um, it, it's another one of Ethan's programs. Um, and where there's, uh, you know, there were probably 10 or 12 kids that were on the in this call once a month. <clears throat> I got to be on it. And, and that's what we did uh, the the session on. It was fun because they they all brought their crystals and and we activated i activated them uh, i like to say we because the hathors and i activated them mm-hmm. and and so then they they did an ex- one of the kids did an experiment they emailed me about this later that their parents took and would hide the crystal somewhere in the house and then the child who who's now now more tuned into that crystal could ask the crystal where it was. And then the crystal would say, oh, I'm in the third drawer, you know, left of the thing. And so the kid would walk over and go, here it is. And, and they made it more and more difficult as it, as the, the child proved that she could find it every time to the point where they were just all blown away with, with how much more that she could communicate now with that crystal.
1: Okay, so can you put intention in like... Yes. I'm just thinking if we do it, can I like hold the crystal and say, "Okay, I have this intention. Can we activate this crystal to magnify that intention manifesting?" Like, I'm yes. just can you do that? Absolutely. Cuz you know, funnily enough, oh, I don't know if I should say this on air, but it's very <laughs> much in line. I've got this idea and it's very much in line with what you're saying about your comic, like the story in your comics. Like mm-hmm why can't billionaires just all of a sudden this is what i've thought about for years why can't billionaires just all of a sudden turn around and be, become completely altruistic mm-hmm. and instead of investing their money in coal mines and and more right. you know more ma- making money you know turn around and say yeah you know, i want to invest happening. In, i want to invest in consciousness but not just mm-hmm. good deeds like more hospitals like i just drove right, past right. a hospital a trillion dollar hospital a new hospital it's just being built it's sick right. care. It's sick care, right? right, right why can't right. they invest in wellness care in, yeah, yeah. in like, why isn't there billionaires investing in this technology, like, like okay. consciousness? So, and that's my intention. I want some, oh, billionaires, absolutely. you know, to have like centers of learning and consciousness and, you yes. know, like put the money there.
0: That's it's starting mind. to happen. And, and, and of course, you're not going to hear anything about it. That's not going to make news. Why? Because news is all about what's wrong, not about what's right.
1: Well, you know what fascinates people? Money. I'm just thinking, you know, there's a tech billionaire here in Australia and I don't watch the mainstream news, but uh, somebody brought this story to my attention. So he's a young guy. He's like 38 Mm -hmm. and he made a Mozza as a tech guy. you know, And, um, And so he bought a house for $100 million and then he bought the house next door for $12 million and then he bought a couple of other houses for $17 million and he sold this house for, you know, $14 million but he only bought it for $10 million and that makes news. You're like, because he's spending money, this makes news. It's like, who cares? But because he's got lots of money, so money makes news. So if Mm -hmm. some billionaire, you know, invested you know, spend a few million dollars on a content that would make news because it would be like, why are you doing that to the mainstream mind? Like why are you throwing your money away there? Right. <laughs> it's like money right. makes news, right? So. Right.
0: Yeah, it is happening though. And, uh and it's just, again, you know, I actually know of one who is doing that right now and, and, and I've met him and, and he's, he's very much of the mindset to, to, to stay out of the media he doesn't want to be known and seen as doing all of that because that brings unwanted attention to him so he's doing these things more quietly and and making a difference um without uh, without uh attention seeking for it so well, i yeah. i applaud him for that
1: yeah absolutely and i'm sure this young guy would like to do things without the media telling you know where he's spending his Getting money as it, yeah. well you know like he's just He's this dude that is a, a geek and he may, he's like one of Australia's richest guys. I didn't even know about him until a week ago. He's like this billionaire. Yeah. He's worth oh. like a few billion dollars. And I'm like, really? I didn't think we had billionaires in Australia. But, yeah. So, um, yeah, my intention would be to spend some of his money on like consciousness programs. <laughs> you know, oh, I, yeah. heard, I heard that one of the Rockefellers invested in the Esalen Centre. Cause I've uh, got this dream to have a sort of like an Esalen center here in Australia that, ah. you know, this, this center of consciousness learning where you can come and learn all this stuff, you know, Ethan's Lightworker right. program and and right. children can come together and we, we dance and we, we sing and it's you know, and an artwork and gardens and like this whole thing, you know, and sustainability and all that stuff. Right. Right. And there just needs to be more of that across the planet where people are, Learning about this stuff, discovering the stuff, discovering themselves, and opening up to their true calling, and all that stuff. So that's my intention. Yes. Yeah, we do we do it? Yeah. Yes.
0: Let's
1: do okay. It. Well, I might pause. Go and get the crystal. Okay. And then, um, other people can pause and go and get their crystal, and we'll do an activation. Sounds good. Okay, we're back, and I went and got my crystal. Let me show people. <laughs> I thought, oh, it's a bit of a heavy one. <laughs> yeah. Do you like the little dolphin thing? Somebody gave me a little yes, dolphin. It's, it's, amazing. Cool? Yeah. Yeah, um, it is. it's a bit of a heavy one. Ugh. Yeah. So years ago I was involved in uh doing a book signing for Neil Donald Walsh. It's huge synchronicity when uh, his first tour down under, he's the guy that wrote uh, Conversation with God and and somebody had brought him these crystals, like there were a couple of people that had, and this is as heavy as a bowling ball. Anyway, he was holding this thing and he was thinking, what do I do with this? I can't travel the world with this thing. <laughs> so, he, right. so he gave it to me. He said, would you like this? And I like, yeah. And I oh. drove home with this bowling ball sized pink crystal in my car thinking, God just gave me a pink bowling ball. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's right, that conversation with God. Right. So, I was just saying to Zane that I've never um, kind of worked with it. I just have it in my house.
0: Uh-huh, it just
1: sits uh-huh. here and I just think it just nurtures anyone that comes. But I've never thought to activate it or talk to it or. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Or just, well, we're going to um, do both of those things today. Yeah.
1: So, like, maybe you guys so what have I would... too that you've never talked to or.
0: Right. Yes. So I'm hoping that you aren't the only one that has a crystal in their hands right now, so that your listeners have grabbed a crystal and they're taking a look at it. And so what I would say right now is to observe it. Think about what color it is. Think about what the identifying characteristics are about the crystal, the where the cloudiness is, where the color changes occur. Are there any cracks in it? Um, just anything that you can commit to memory about what this crystal currently looks like because what's going to happen when we activate it it's going to change and as as the power of the crystal activation has been increasing uh it's more and more obvious as to the change and so be warned that so some people who have grabbed a crystal that is perfect and beautiful in your eyes and now suddenly it could change to a way that isn't as perfect and beautiful in your eyes. Uh, don't be disappointed. <laughs> uh, you know, pick that with intention so that it's more important the the characteristics of the crystal than the appearance of the crystal.
1: Um, I tell you what, this looks like a world within a world. There's just so much going on in this crystal. But I, yeah, it looks it, like a it, planet. Sure. It looks like a planet. It does. And if it did change, I don't think I could tell if it did. Because it's, God, you know, I've never really looked. I've had this thing for years and I've, I've never really looked at it. Isn't that silly? And now I'm looking into it. You could travel with this thing in there. It's like going, yeah. it's unbelievable, this thing. Ooh.
0: So, so the next step, what I would like for everyone to do is to have the crystal in their hands. Now I'm going to make you pick it back up. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I want you to close your eyes and just feel what the energy feels like that is emanating from the crystal. Feel the pulse or feel just whatever it is. And I'll be silent for a moment so you can do this. So take note of how it feels now, because we're also going to be doing this again after the
1: activation, so that you can kind of see what's what's different about it.
0: And so then I would like for you to go ahead and I would like to ask the crystal a question. If you're commonly talking to the crystal, then you'll know exactly what to ask and you know exactly what it sounds like when it responds. But if you're new to it and you would like to ask your maybe your first question, try asking it if it would like to receive an activation today from from Zane and the Hathors.
1: Hmm. I got a resounding yes even before I finished the question because... I was really thinking, do I want to do this to this crystal? It might be perfect at the way it is, but before I finished the asking it, I just got, yes, like, all right.
0: <laughs> right. Okay, good. And if anybody got to know, which I have yet to hear, but I'm sure it's yeah. possible, then go ahead and grab another crystal real fast and then uh resume Yeah, get the...
1: another one. Yeah, stop the recording and grab another one. Yeah. Right.
0: Okay, so now the other thing that I would like for you to do is you can set your intention for this crystal if you would like to. And so when I do the activation, I want you to in silently in your head express what it is that you would like to have this crystal provide for you. You don't have to, though, because as we talked about earlier, the crystal's uh, purpose in life will change and shift to match yours if you say nothing. So it's totally up to you. You have the ability to do that. And so, how this process will work is that uh, it's very quick, actually. Um, I'm just going to take a big, deep breath in and I'm going to say the word awaken, and that is all that needs to happen. So, we'll go ahead and do that now, unless you have any questions for me. Okay. Go ahead.
1: <clears throat> Very good. Now, feel if you feel any
0: difference in the energy that is emanating from the crystal.
1: God yeah. God, yeah.
0: How does it feel different for you?
1: Uh, it's funny because it's a visual thing as well. as It's more of a visual thing than it is a um, <clears throat> kinesthetic thing. It's, um, it's like molten lava moving. It's like moving, whereas before it was more stagnant. It's like movement, movement, and it's sort of like a lava it's like inside the crystal, it's like lava sort of moving. Yeah. Nice. So it's more of a visual.
0: Beautiful. Okay, now yes. Go ahead and take a look at it and see if you notice anything different physically about the crystal.
1: I don't know if I do because it's so the first thing I got when I looked Yeah, the first thing I got when I looked at it, it just it just immediately looked more broken up like more intricate more more than it did before
0: oh yeah i, I see that let me do
1: because it uh, it's so oh sorry so intricate so there's so much going on in this thing
0: yeah yeah it's hard to say yeah it's very hard to say well and the other thing too is what we've what we found is that anybody who rewatches this video will see the new crystal even before i did the activation
1: well, because that's right, yeah, I thought you know if you took a photograph of it and then tried to see if it was different before you could no, because but it would be, be the same in both fo- in the fo- yeah, that's right, yeah. because of
0: the timeline shift, yeah, yeah it's always going to be that way, so there's yeah. no way to actually physically record it.
1: So what you're saying is that you've just shifted my timeline basically mm-hmm. so maybe it- so
0: that you're now in a timeline with the crystal as your intention was for it or as it's to match your your life's purpose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, huh? Yeah. So watch neat? this space. <laughs> 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 I've got the cat here sitting here staring at the crystal. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> Maybe we activated it so that it's more in the cat's purpose.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well I wonder, you know, I wonder. I'm gonna talk to it more now. I'm gonna Good. I wonder how it affects people that come into this space because it's here, sitting here on the kitchen bench, just sits there. It's very cold.
0: Mm. Did you set your intention when I did the oh, activation?
1: Yeah. Totally. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I hope everybody else did too. Um, so setting an intention obviously is like seeing the desire fulfilled rather mm. than having the desire. It's like, okay, this is happening now. Like, this is how it is. This is the new timeline. This is my reality. Right. Yeah. So whether yep, that's, that's you know, way. health or abundance or making a difference in the world or seeing, you know, it might be personal. It might be collective, like seeing more you know money funneled into things that matter in the world and not so much into stuff that doesn't matter and pollutive ways, seeing people waking up. Look, the intention can be anything. Seeing the shift. Absolutely. I think the shift is accelerating, but seeing it happening in a more ease and grace way, rather than having sledgehammer moments, you know, maybe people can just wake up because it feels good to wake up. Right. Just like your comic, like, Oh my God, I'm going to start giving money to altruistic, you know, and not just making money for the sake of making money. And right. Yeah. My products aren't serving the environment, so I'm going to change it all and serve the environment. Yeah. Right. Yeah so many things so yeah our our imagination our intention our focus is so powerful you know what are we using it for are we using it to focus on the things that we don't want are we using it to focus on the things that we do want so yeah that's what we're doing here let's use that powerful focus to see what we want to happen instead of keep beating the drum of what's going wrong yeah
0: right yes yeah the more we talk about what's going wrong the more that goes wrong
1: yeah, if we exactly. focus
0: our energies and our excitement over the positive things, and we'll see more of the positive things. Something that I uh, I wrote up and I threw on Instagram was um, "Love all, and love is all that you will see."
1: Absolutely, yeah. That's actually my reality now. I do love all, and pretty much love is mostly what I see. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, um, and it's only when you choose to to look at mm, the, ne- the negative that you can find it. It's certainly there, but if you don't choose to look at it and look for it, it doesn't exist.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, when you're not watching mainstream media, they're pumping out, you know, contrast at nauseam. Um, you don't necessarily, like I live in a bubble, but I, I work with people who are still working in the corporate world. You know, they're out there, in their corporate jobs, and and they say, oh, you know, people are like this, because I don't see it, because I, I'm surrounded by light weavers, you know, beautiful, amazing people. Like my, I'm just in this bubble, and so they remind me that the world is not all love and light like my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that there are people out there complaining and bitching and carrying on because uh, they're still in that that world. But even when you know that there is some sacred contract or sacred um, you know agreement that the contrast is stretching people to grow you can you can turn it from negative to positive you can see it you can see yes. the contrast is working for us and not against us in many ways and um, i think we were talking about that with rob on the last show about trump activating women to have more of a voice and stand up and to go into parliament and because he seems to sort of put women in this as a second class citizens so it's sort of activating women to be more vocal and more Yeah. In the political arena. And so it's a good thing, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We can choose to look at anything in in, any way we want to. We can choose to say, this is a terrible thing that's happening to us or we can choose, or we can choose to say, yeah, we don't want this. So how can we make it better?
1: Right. Exactly. And focus on the solutions. Oh, Zane, it's been marvelous. That activation was pretty something pretty special that was thank you so much thanks so much for being on the show any pearls Absolutely. of wisdom you want to leave with anyone you had lots of them
0: <laughs> oh gosh yeah i don't uh i i think that one, something that has happened to me recently I, i've i got one for you okay okay so not too long ago about a couple of weeks ago really i I was meditating and, and my guides came to me and they very strongly said, you're not using us enough. Right. You're not using us enough. You don't, you, you, you aren't saying what you want. You aren't requesting what you want. We are your team and we are here to, to, to do whatever it, it, it is that either you desire or that you think is best or whatever. And all you have to do is ask. And it's and it's we so often forget that I certainly did. And ever since they told me that, I've been asking for all kinds of stuff and I'm seeing my world change around me. And this is just a couple of weeks ago. Wow. So don't forget <laughs> to talk to them and to ask them for things because you are a creator and they are acting as your creators as to to help you create.
1: They're orchestrating the details of your intention, your creation. Yeah. They're fulfilling your desire. Yeah, absolutely. Unless it's yeah. like, you know, they come to you and they say greed, like, is it, do you really want that? Cause obviously we think we want stuff, but we've just been conditioned to want it. It's really not what our heart is wanting or our soul is wanting. It's what we think we want. Right. Shoes, you know. yeah.
0: And I would hope that the majority of your audience understands the difference between those things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Between desire and desire. Yeah so right yeah okay so you do obviously do you, you do private sessions with people you do channelings with people you the half will speak through you or or the so I, don't,
0: I don't actually do channelings i do activations and activations. so i work with people on uh any number of things the soul essence activation is we're bringing the best versions of your past incarnations forward into you in, or into your current incarnation i don't know if i just said that right but we're we're it's so, you know, any aspect of one of your past incarnations that was rocking that you don't have access to now, we're going to bring that forward so that you do have access to it. Um, there's, and and every week, it seems like new, more and new and wonderful things are kind of occurring where we can work on, you know, your belief systems and the ones that are incorrect that are sending you down the wrong path. It's all under the, the. Um, awakening kind of concept. So if you are trapped in a relationship, or you are trapped in a job, or you're trapped in a situation, then we can break you out of it. Because at that moment, you're going to uh, move down the path of awakening, you're going to, you know, ascend more. And that's what we want. And that's what the Hathors want. And that's what all of our guides want. In addition to that, uh, a lot of times I, the soul essence activation, I work with the chakras because they're great energy centers that have a lot to do with everything in, in our bodies and in our lives and in our souls. And and uh, you can watch the YouTube video from Awaken Empowered TV to get the soul essence activation for the base seven chakras. And then what I do in my private sessions is I work on the chakras maybe above the crown. And in that mm-hmm. case, we get to work on expanding your access to the Akashic records or expanding your ability to channel yourself or to um, improve your protection against negative unwanted energies or any of those sorts of benefits that um, we've had a lot of success in working with other light workers in expanding their gifts and, and breaking them loose from maybe some, some you know, uh, negative thought processes or that sort of thing. And so it's been really, it's been really fun because I've worked with people that have severe depression and we've seen Mm. huge improvements. And I've also worked with people that are extremely awake and extremely at peace and happy. And they say, I was guided to come to you. And then we see some unbelievable kind of advancements in, in their, in their gifts or, or their ascension. So it's, it's kind of fun because it's, it's a lot of things for everyone. Um, and sometimes it, it doesn't, it doesn't make it easy for me to say, oh, I just do this. You know? Yeah, I know.
1: I know. Look, finding, putting, you know, I wrote to you, I said, what do you call yourself? It's like, I, I could hear you going, Oh God, what do I call myself? You know, I, I spent 20 years working on that one. Like what do you call yourself? <laughs> really? What do you call yourself? Right. But, yeah, I've got the new elevator pitch you know, but, um, people say you've got to come up with an elevator pitch. It's like, really? Yeah. So, um, I know like, who am I, what am I doing here? How do I label that? You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept when, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And,
0: and, you know, I like the one that said they were just guided to come to me, you know, if, yeah. if you're guided to come, if you feel a resonant shift that says, Holy cow, this, this guy's going to be able to help me, then come on over and we'll figure it out together. You know, that's-
1: you, you know what I, I want to say to people that are watching? Because a lot of people watch a lot of videos and um, I, I get a lot of emails from people that say, Oh, I watch all your email uh, all your videos, or I've watched a lot. Of, I just spend all day on YouTube watching videos. Guidance can be that I really like this person that really resonates with me. But a lot of people don't act on that. Like that's right. guidance. So when I watch yeah. videos and I like someone, I send them an email straight away you want to come on the show because that's my guidance it's like if i'm tuning into you and i'm resonating what you're saying and i'm like right yeah that speaks to me bang i'm acting on it you know right. so yeah act on that guidance if you're resonating if this feels good to you act on it yeah yep. that's when yep. your life changes yeah that's right Zane, thank you so much again you're so for the show.
0: that was a blast
1: what a rock star <laughs> zane daniel Beautiful man, really gorgeous. And really only just came into this work a couple of years ago, a few like three years ago. And he's doing amazing things. How'd you go with the activation of your crystal? Let me know if you went and got a crystal and put it in the comments either on YouTube or send me an email and let me know if you notice anything different and if you can talk to your crystal now. Maybe maybe some of you already talked to your crystals. Who knows? You probably already do that. Maybe you're gonna have an even intimate more intimate relationship with your crystal uh yeah beautiful beautiful man Uh, thanks again for watching another show accentuating the positive and um hopefully this has awakened more of a mission in you too maybe you're channeling the arcturians or the harthors or the the andromedans or higher consciousness you know who are you talking to who's the voice in your head i love the way he said the voice you know what was it um, that was to speak this sort of nebulous voice i think we all have that to tell you the truth And as you know, I say to people every time that uh, I attract the uh, new world teachers, the light weavers. And so if you're listening to this and watching this, and especially if you're still with me after all this time, uh, the show, the length of the show, and you're listening to me talking right now, this is you. You are a new world teacher here to help others, awaken others, and to share your story and to share your knowledge and to get more tapped in and connected to your guidance your guides your mob as i call them the voice in your head or your uh, activate your third eye whatever you're here to do that and to help and to share this wisdom with others that's what a new world teacher does so i love that he's an awakener i really feel connected to that awakening people it's what we're doing here It's what's happening to all of us we're awakening to that sense of empathy compassion and connection so that we stop running on this need to fulfill our desires like get the money get the house get the lover and the the passion is more about how can we work together how can we live together on this planet and nurture each other and fulfill our dreams and in the collectively collective dreams of more harmony more peace more definitely more peace amongst the animal kingdom and nature and uh, nurture her nurture the planet and all her beings and be more connected to our cosmic family it's like when we're more connected to each other running with more compassion and empathy for the human populace then we have a hope of being more connected to our cosmic brothers and sisters and even the beings that exist here on this planet that have been here forever but they don't want anything to do with humanity because they find us too violent. So when we come together as a collective, we get more connected to them as well. The thing of fairy tale and myth are actually true. The Sasquatch, the fairies, the angels, the elms, you know, like Penny Kelly talked about the elms at the bottom of her garden that spoke to her. Interdimensional beings. We, uh, when you raise your vibe, you have access to them. Isn't it fun? Isn't it exciting? so thanks again for watching and as i always say remember to buy the book awakened by death fascinating stories of awakening in that book new book coming out towards the end of the year if i forget this book out we're getting there slowly and uh inner sanctum remember to join our inner sanctum i asked zane actually to come to come into the inner sanctum next year and do some more activations and who knows what zane will be up to by next year what's that? it's about six months away seven months away and uh yeah so it'll be fascinating to meet him in the inner sanctum i invite a guest teacher someone from the show once a month to come and meet the little tribe of people we talk about all this stuff on the inner sanctum a couple of times a month on zoom and uh yeah join us if you'd like to be a part of this conversation love you love you to be a part thanks again for watching love you all.